I want to deliver today a sermon for Black History Month. A sermon for Black History Month. While you're standing, let me read from Genesis 45 and 7. Genesis 45 and 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Chapter 50, verse 18, And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said to them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God. Somebody ought to say, but God. <laughs> meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. You may be seated. About 2,000 years before the birth of Christ, Moses traveled to Midian in the southern part of the Fertile Crescent. There, Moses married a dark-skinned Midianite woman and worked for and lived near his father-in-law, Jethro. Numbers 12 and 1 indicates that Jethro and his daughter were Ethiopian people. Numbers 12 and 1 says, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses, their brother, because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Verse 9 of that chapter, Romans 12, says that God became angry toward Miriam and Aaron because they complained and they fussed about the fact that Moses had married a black woman. And verse 10 says that Miriam was struck by leprosy and became as white as snow. She was leprous. Miriam and Aaron were Moses' brother and sister. And only through the prayer of Moses was her leprosy healed and the wrath of God was lifted from Miriam. Look at your neighbor and say, don't mess with a black woman. <laughs> Moses would later ask one of his brothers-in-law, Hobab, to join with the Israelites. He said to his brother-in-law, you've got knowledge and skill of the wilderness that we need. Come thou with us and we will do you good. 400 years later, 
Joseph would marry a dark-skinned Egyptian woman from North Africa. Look at your neighbor and say, Egypt is in North Africa. So Joseph married a dark-skinned Egyptian woman. Almost a thousand years before the birth of Christ, the queen of Sheba from Cush, uh, Ethiopia. Tell your neighbor that's in Africa. <laughs> came to visit Solomon. She came from Africa with many camels, spices, gold, precious stones. Her nation and culture had obviously existed and flourished long before that time. An Ethiopian queen came to visit Solomon. I'm told she was impressed by Solomon and I'm also told that Solomon was impressed by her. So even in the time of Solomon, Ethiopia, the cultures and the nations of Africa existed and flourished long before that time. The Ethiopian Pianki established the 24th Egyptian dynasty and at least four Ethiopian kings ruled over Egypt from 730 BC until 656 BC. Great nations, great civilizations, great cultures existed in Africa centuries before the birth of Jesus Christ. One of the greatest generals of all time was a general by the name of Hannibal from the city of Carthage in North Africa. He defied and frequently defeated even that great nation, Rome, between 219 and 203 B.C. In 1498 A.D., Portuguese explorers wrote that they found along the East African coast tall stone towns of comfort and of wealth. They found people who were highly civilized and skilled in the use of the compass and in the reading of charts. In 1518, mention is made of the city of Timbuktu in West Sudan, a magnificent city where merchants made greater profit from the sale of books than from any other commodity. In the areas of science, art, medicine, government, law, culture, the nations of Africa were competitive with, and in many cases, more advanced than the other nations of the world during that period. All of this was devastated by the slave trade. William Banks gives us the following report. He says that nearly 20 million Negroes were made captive over the span of some 300 years from 1517 to 1840. A more conservative estimate might be that there were 14.6 million. They were jammed and crammed into ships like sardines into a can and brought across the Atlantic from the Gulf of Guinea to the New World in a trip called the Middle Passage. Estimated that perhaps 
12 million landed in Latin America and about 2 million were brought to the United States. What happened to the other millions that were taken from Africa? Some of them died resisting capture. Some of them also died in captivity while being held in Africa waiting to be shipped out. Some committed suicide by eating quantities of clay or by jumping over the rail of the ship and drowning in the water. Others beaten and too weak to continue the truck or the trek in the convoy to the harbor were abandoned to die. Most of the loss of life, however, came during the Middle Passage when they passed over the Atlantic Ocean on their way to the United States. Perhaps not more than half of the slaves that were shipped from Africa ever became effective workers in the New World. Shackled in irons, they huddled beneath the decks for 16 hours at a time. In unbearable heat, filth, stench, barely surviving the stale, spoiled food and stagnant water. And during the several weeks that it took to make the trips, they were only given a few minutes a day to come to the deck and get fresh air and exercise. If the weather was bad, they received neither fresh air nor exercise. Many of them died at sea from dysentery, smallpox, other diseases. Many starved themselves to death. Some committed suicide. Others rebelled, especially those who were warriors taken in battle. They were destroyed for their resistance. Some died shortly after reaching American soil. A meaningful study would be to inquire the impact or what impact the loss of 15 to 20 millions of its inhabitants had upon the culture and upon the nations of Africa. How many died trying to defend their families and trying to defend their friends from violence associated with their capture? And then after the slave trade came the horrible period of colonialism during which European and Mediterranean invaders did to Africa's resources what those before them had done to Africa's people. What is the value of the people taken out of Africa? What is the value of the resources that were taken out of Africa? Even after the abolition of slavery, black people experienced one humiliating, dehumanizing devastation after another. But though we went through all of that, we still produce Benjamin Banneker, almanac writer, maker of the first American-made clock. The first clock in America was made by a black man. We produced Sojourner Truth and George Washington Carver and Charles Drew and he was a pioneer in blood plasma research. We produced Benjamin O. Davis and Thurgood Marshall and Ralph Bunch and Booger T. Washington and Marion Anderson and Colin Powell and Barack Obama and a host of others who rose above their oppression to attain a level of excellence. Come on, praise God for that. 
Don't you feel that adversity prevents you from being successful? Don't feel that a tough time is a justification for you giving up on your success. No matter what you're going through, you can succeed and you can excel. But maybe also examine the interaction between uh, the black people and the continent of Africa with Christ and the church of Jesus Christ. Because of their concern for the life and safety for the babe Jesus, Mary and Joseph had to escape from Canaan, from Palestine, and find a hiding place to escape the wrath of King Herod. It was in Egypt that they sought safety. It was in North Africa that they went to find a place for Jesus to be protected. And then even during the dark day of his crucifixion, the Jews of Asia were condemning him and crying out for his death. And Europe, represented by the Roman centurion, drove nails into the hands and feet of Jesus Africa, however, represented by Simon of Cyrene of Northwestern Africa, stepped forward when everybody else stepped back and he shared history's most significant moment with your Savior and my Savior. He bore the cross of Jesus Christ. If Christ needed help with his cross, he understands when you need help with your cross. Would you tell that to your neighbor? Some of us feel like we're alone and we're struggling by ourselves, but tell your neighbor if Christ needed help with his cross. He understands when you need help with your cross. One would think that the privilege of bearing the cross of Jesus Christ would have been reserved for Simon Peter, or for John, or for some other apostle, but God chose. Somebody ought to say God chose. God chose black hands and woolly hair to perform and act and render a service that all of the truly wise and truly great men of all the ages would have been supremely honored to share and perform a black man bore the cross of Jesus Christ. Can I go on a little bit farther? And then, after the gospel was first preached to the Jews, and then to the Samaritans who were of mixed Jewish stock, Philip was divinely summoned to a desert place where the Ethiopian secretary of the treasury was going to pass by in his chariot. Before Peter was sent to the Italians in Caesarea, before Paul launched his diligent missionary efforts in Eastern and Western Europe, before any other ethnicity besides the Jews and the Samaritans ever heard the gospel, this Ethiopian nobleman heard and believed the gospel. And after being baptized, he went back to Ethiopia to form the Abyssinian church that still exists until this day. He was the first Gentile of record to be saved. You ought to thank God for that.
You didn't know the first Gentile to be saved was a black man. And so we've been hooked up with Jesus for a long time. Not a white man's religion. We were in this thing from the start. The historian Dean Millman has said that it was Africa, not Rome, that gave birth to Latin Christianity. For Africa gave three among the greatest leaders and scholars of the church to the church. Augustine, Tertullian, Cyprian were all born in North Africa, the city of Carthage, where Purpunian and Nubian blood mixed and produced one of the ancient world's most powerful and civilized civilizations. The African Tertullian made Latin Christianity ethical, juristic, and practical. The African Cyprian was the church's authority in all matters of ecclesiastical law and probably the greatest contribution to Western Christian theology other than the Bible was made by the African Augustine. And so not only were we the first Gentiles saved, but we produced the first great theologians and scholars of the Christian church. Clap your hands one more time. Any person who would reject Christianity because he feels it is a white man's religion is both mistaken and unaware. Black men had the privilege of being among the first leaders and participants in the great Pentecostal and charismatic movement that began in the early part of the 1900s and now has literally swept the world so that it is said that Pentecostals are the largest group among Christians in the world today. Vincent Sinan says that Charles F. Parham, a white man, and William J. Seymour, a black man, share roughly equal positions as the founders of modern Pentecostalism. Parham first emphasized Pentecostal doctrines in Baxter Springs, Kansas, but Seymour, whom Parham made sit outside the classroom and listen to the lectures through a window, Seymour first emphasized the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the city of Los Angeles, California, and founded, in essence, modern-day Pentecostalism because he was the founder of the Pentecostal revival and from that revival Pentecostalism spread across the nation and across the world. A black one-eyed preacher is the father of Pentecostalism in the United States on today. One key man in the spread of Pentecostalism across the world was a man by the name of Charles Harrison Mason, a black man and the father and founder of the Church of God in Christ. The Church of God in Christ was founded and incorporated as a holiness body in 1897. But in 1907, Elder Mason heard about the Pentecostal revival and traveled to Seymour's revival and received the baptism in the Holy Ghost right here in the city of Los Angeles, California. 
they became members um, and, and, and he, the, their members, the members of the denomination also sought and received the baptism uh, of the Holy Ghost and the church of God in Christ became the first legally incorporated Pentecostal body in the United States. The first Pentecostal incorporated body. Sinan points out that most of the white Pentecostal churches between 1907 and 1914 had no recognized ecclesiastical body that would authorize them to perform marriages and get clergy rates on the modes of transportation and to uh, perform other ministerial duties. And, and, and scores of white ministers obtained ministerial credentials from Elder Mason and from the Church of God in Christ. And from 1907 to 1913, there was a group from Alabama and Texas who received the privilege of using the name of the church and to receive credentials from the church. And this continued until 1914 when they organized their predominantly white organization called the Assemblies of God. And so from 1907 uh, to 1913, all who became the Assemblies of God denomination were members of the Church of God in Christ. Christianity is not a white man's religion, nor is it a black man's religion. It is simply the religion and the faith of humanity. It is man's only hope for sanity and man's only hope for salvation in this world. There are many parallels between the life of Joseph and the experience of black people in the United States. Joseph had visions. In one vision, his brother's sheaves bowed down to his sheaf. And the other vision, the sun, moon, and the 11 stars did reverence to him. And those visions sustained Joseph in the midst of the adversity that he faced and in the midst of the trouble that he went through. He understood, I, I, I'm destined to rule. I'm destined to be a leader. I'm destined to be a blessing. And so when he was envied and hated by his brothers, he just kept on seeing the vision. But his brothers hated him so much that they were going to kill him, but finally changed their mind about killing him and sold him into slavery, and he was carried to Egypt. He just kept on seeing the vision. The wife of his first master sought to seduce him, but he refused, and she accused him of rape, and he was thrown into prison, but he kept on seeing the vision. While he was in, vision, in, in, in jail, he invested himself in the lives and the welfare of others. He helped the warden of the prison who made Joseph his chief assistant. He interpreted the dreams of two of his fellow prisoners. It, was, it seemed that after interpreting their dreams and one of them was released, that Joseph was forgotten. But he kept on seeing the vision. Soon the Pharaoh himself had a dream and one of the prisoners who had been released was a servant to the pharaoh and he told him listen there's a man in jail 
full of the spirit of the Lord who is gifted to interpret and to translate visions and dreams. Because of his wisdom and because of the spirit of God upon him, Joseph was able to tell the Pharaoh not only what his dream was, but also what his dream meant and also what he was to do in light of the dream. He said, Pharaoh, there are going to be seven years of plenty. And then there are going to be seven years of famine. And I recommend that you gather all the food you can gather during that first seven years so that when the famine comes, you'll have enough to feed everybody. And the famine said, not only, uh, the Pharaoh said, not only are you giving me good advice, but I'm going to make you the one to execute the plan. I'm making you vice president of all the land of Egypt. Nobody will raise his foot or hand or speak without you. You are in charge. A slave became ruler over all of Egypt. Hallelujah. And it happened exactly as Joseph said it was going to happen. After seven years, the famine hit the land. There was no food anywhere. Not only no food in Egypt, but nothing was growing in Canaan where Joseph's brothers and Joseph's father was living. So after a while, when Jacob and his sons ran out of food, he sent them to Egypt where he heard there was food. And when they got to Egypt, who did they come up before except the very one that they had sold into slavery in the first place? But Joseph spoke the words of our text. And he said to them, listen, you intended this for evil, but God meant it for good. Child of God, some of the bad things that happened to you turn out for your good. Black people were sold into slavery by our brothers in Africa many times. They were not always involved in the capture of black people, but many times it was black people in Africa who uh, uh, consorted with the, with the Arabs and the others who came from Europe to make us slaves. And we were brought in great tribulation and great hardship to this land. But in this land, God has blessed us. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. In the midst of the adversity, we came through it. We came out of it. God has blessed us not only with the names of those whom I have mentioned before, but now the president of the very nation that enslaved black people is a black man. You ought to praise God for that. We've got to see the purpose of God in all that we have endured. Romans 8 and 28 says, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Sometimes in your individual life, it will seem that things are literally falling apart and going totally haywire. 
but keep on loving God. Keep on doing the will of God because God has a way of working things out in your life. Is there anybody here that needs God to work something out in your life? Is your marriage in turmoil? Are your children going crazy? Are affairs on the job dragging you down? Is your life surrounded by trouble? God is able to work it out. And he promised in his word that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. And so tell your neighbor, God is working it out. God knows how to fix it. God knows how to bring it together. And just like God brought us as a nation, as a race, to the point that we've reached, God will bring you to your day of victory. If you believe it, clap your hands and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God had a purpose in allowing us to go through all we went through. God had a purpose in enslaving us and causing us to go through untold agony in this land. God had a purpose for bringing us here and not leaving us there. Joseph found his purpose when his brothers came to find food. And Joseph said, listen, this is Joseph whom you sold. But God sent me ahead that I might preserve you, that I might take care of you. And child of God, we must understand that one of the reasons that the Lord has blessed us is that we might reach back to those same brothers and sisters in Africa and show them some love. This is why I founded the Pan-African Children's Fund and save Africa's children because God has blessed us to be a blessing to them. Everywhere you find black people on the face of the earth, they're at the bottom and not the top. They're the first to get sick. They're the first to die. They're the first to starve to death. They're the first to be confronted by maladies and by plagues. But God is not through with us yet. God had a purpose. God had a purpose. And I want you to know God has a purpose for your life. If you're blessed, you're blessed to be a blessing. We've got to reach not only back to Africa, but we've got to reach to our brothers and sisters in the inner cities of our nation. We've got to reach out to those who are not educated and not provided for. And we've got to bless them. We can't say, God bless me and my wife, my son John and his wife, us four and no more, amen. You're blessed to be a blessing. Will you tell your neighbor you are blessed to be a blessing?
God will not be pleased unless you remember your purpose. And your purpose is all wrapped up in people. You can't turn your back away from them. But you've got to serve and you've got to help people. But not only must you remember your purpose, and not only must you remember people, but you must remember praise. Is there anybody here that has something to praise God for? Millions didn't make it, but you ought to praise Him because you made it. You ought to praise Him because the Lord has been good to you in the midst of all you've gone through. You still got something to praise God for. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. It was grace that brought me safe thus far. And God's grace will lead me on. Grace brought me through every trial. Grace brought me through every hardship. Grace enabled me to endure. Grace has been upon us as black people in the world that God has sustained us and protected us and we ought to praise God. We ought to thank God. We ought to glorify God. Help me praise Him. Help me praise Him. Help me praise Him. Praise our God. Praise our Lord. He's so good. He's so good. He's brought us safe thus far. And his grace will lead us on. Whatever God starts, God completes. He that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it to the day of the Lord Jesus. Listen, you're here because God has started a good work in your life. You're here because the Lord has been good to you. And if God has brought you this far, you ought to praise him because he's going to take you the rest of the way. He shall perform it unto the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in Christ, you are a conqueror. In Christ, you are a winner. In Christ, you are a survivor. Paul said, yea, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. And being confident of this very thing, that God who has started is going to take us all the way. Life has its ups and life has its downs. I said life has its ups and it has its downs. But the constant thing is that God is always there to take us over and to take us through. It was a down 
day for Jesus when nails were driven into his feet. It was a down day for Jesus when he was hung on an old ragged cross. It was a down day for Jesus when they crushed thorns into his skull. It was a down day for Jesus when he hung his head and died and they buried him in a borrowed tomb. It was a down day for the disciples when they walked away from the tomb and said that all hope is gone and it's over for us. It was a down day for them. And so don't worry about having a down day. You may have trouble in your life. You may have your down days. But oh, on the third day morning, Jesus grabbed death by the collar and he shook death until death turned him loose. He stepped forth from the grave and he said, all power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. I've got power over death, over the grave, and over all the power of the enemy. And if Jesus could endure that down day, he can help you in the midst of your down days. If he could rise from the dead, I see you coming out. I see you coming up. I see you coming over. Hallelujah. If Jesus could conquer death, he can deal with your problem. You ought to praise him because you're coming out. You're coming out. You're coming out. You're coming out. Victorious. I heard Brother Job on a down day say that God knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I'm coming forth just like gold. When the heat is over, when the trouble is over, when I'm refined, when God gets through with me, I see me shouting and praising God and coming out. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, you may have a down day, but I see you coming out. Stand up and praise him. Magnify him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell three people it's going to be all right. All right. In your home. All right. On your job. All right. In your finances. All right your community all right in your body the same God that brought black people safe thus far the same God that raised up Jesus is in the room right now and he said it's going to be all right everything is going to work together why don't you believe it why don't you claim it in the name of Jesus, why don't you claim it? 
by the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, I give you power. I give you power to tread on serpents and on scorpions. And I give you power over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. It might hinder you. It might detain you. But it won't hurt you. I see you walking in victory and in power. I see you in the future and you look much better than you look right now. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm coming out. turn right take three steps lift your hands to God and say God I'm coming out in the name of Jesus come on take those three steps lift your hands and say Lord I'm going to get my miracle I'll receive my blessing in the name of Jesus come on and praise him to tell you that God said it's going to be all right God said he's going to fix it just like he fixed that God can fix this would you help me praise him I feel an anointing in the room. I feel the Lord's presence in the room. I feel the Lord's miracle working power in the room right now. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare throw in the towel. Don't you dare surrender. Hold on. Keep the faith. God's going to bring you out all right. Yes. you just tell that neighbor one more time God said it's going to be all right yes 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 hallelujah so receive your healing receive your deliverance Receive the anointing of God on your life right now. Receive your miracle. 
Lord, I receive my miracle, my healing, my deliverance. I receive it in the name of Jesus. Depression has got to go. Discouragement has got to go. I'm on my way to victory. And I thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Just lay your hand on your chest. Some of you have heard a bad report from the doctor. He's told you about some serious malady in your body. Some of you have heard a bad report from a family member. Either regarding something that's happening in the relationship or something that's happening in their lives. Some of you have heard a bad report from your employer regarding conditions and lacks and deficiencies on the job. But while you're laying your hand on your chest there, I just want to say that the same God that brought us safe thus far, the same God that has wrought miracles in your life before, is ready to work a miracle in your life right now. So in the name of Jesus, I command that that sickness go. In the name of Jesus, God has given you strength to rise above every situation that you face in the name of Jesus the trouble is over thank the Lord thank the Lord be healed, be delivered and be set free come on and praise God for your God is doing it now God is doing it right now and what would you do if the Lord had manifested it in your sight right now. Praise him by faith. Thank him by faith. 